DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice for the Naval Academy. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Pete, good morning. DJ PK, great to be with you guys. Good morning to you. So, we are so curious about Navy, what they're going to play like, what they're going to look like. We're going to pepper you with a lot of questions. But before we get to that, we're curious, how much practice do you get to see? It's a new world order. It's really different. How good do you feel like your info is on the team getting ready for the opener? Uh, Normally, uh, we can watch uh, three full days of practice a week. Unfortunately, we've been able to watch none. Uh, as a result of, uh, you know, the, the self-imposed bubble, obviously, uh, you know, that the Naval Academy has put around uh, their 4,400 students here, and for good reason. I mean, let's face it, the, uh, we've seen on civilian campuses around the country incredible outbreaks uh, already, uh, you know. So uh, the, the Naval Academy, you know, has a much higher calling. It develops leaders, and so far, uh, these student athletes have shown an amazing amount of discipline. Now we've gotten a lot of interaction with them via Zoom calls and with Coach Niamatololo, uh, the same amount that we would normally get. It's just been via Zoom as opposed to uh, post-practice uh, press conferences. So you know, outside of seeing some video here and there, knowing what we already know of some of the players, and that's where obviously a lot of it comes in. Um, you know, we know a lot about most of the guys playing tonight, except our quarterback because he's only played a handful of plays. Uh, in his career here at the Naval Academy. So we're all very anxious to see what Dalen Morris has, uh, you know, for, uh, for for BYU tonight. Hey, he's a senior, so he's been around for a good long while. So even though you haven't been able to see it, we would expect the same form of offense, right? Oh, there's no question. Uh, the, the offense of the philosophy is never going to change. Um, we're not coming out. We're not coming out in air raid tonight. Uh, I can promise you that. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is is I think a lot of people probably pegged Perry Olsen for the starting job because he was the backup as a freshman last year, went down the field a couple of drives at Notre Dame, stuck the ball right in the end zone, no problem. Uh, but Dalen, Dalen won the job. Dalen excelled and raised his level of play so much that the coaches had to go with him uh, because he performed at such a high level. Now, what he also brings to the table is an absolute cannon for an arm. So will Navy be able to break tendency if they want to by throwing on first down, uh, second and long, being able to throw when we would you know, normally perhaps run? Absolutely. Uh, but, again, the philosophy will not change. If we're running it down your throat successfully, we're not going to try and, uh, and fix it uh, by throwing the football. If we're running effectively for four yards per carry, we're going to keep running the football uh, because if we have the ball, you can't, you know, score with the ball. That's that's usually a pretty simple philosophy. It's the beauty of what we do at the Naval Academy. We keep this game as simple as possible, man. We don't try to overcomplicate anything from practice to the games. We simply line up, and and you know everybody's got the same film. Everybody sees what we we do, so it's no secret what we do. It's just a matter of whether our kids uh, can execute to the level that they expected themselves uh, coming up tonight. So when you see Army go 19 plays, 99 yards, just just jealousy, envy, all those emotions? No, because that's what we do. <laughs> we, we do. Ask New Mexico. Uh, you know, we, we did that to them out in San Francisco a few years ago in a bowl game, and we, we kept the ball for 14 minutes and 25 seconds, um, you know, on a drive. So, 
Uh, that that's what we do too, and and you know what? I mean, uh, again, I'm I'm one of those people. I, I love telling the world about Service Academy football, whether it's us, Air Force, or Army. Tremendous athletes at all three institutions. We recruit college, you know, high school players just like everybody else. Ours just have to have a pretty high grade point average and a pretty high SAT score, uh, you know, for the admissions process. That's really the only thing that separates our kids from everybody else. You know, we, we, you know, we'd love to have a five-star. We'd love to have a four-star. We get plenty of three-stars, um, quote, in the recruiting game, if, you know, uh, you like to play that way. But, you know, at the same time, all three coaching staffs do an amazing job. Coach Sataki staff, uh, you know, Coach Mendenhall before that out there at BYU. Obviously, Lavelle Edwards was one of the greatest in the history of the game. I mean, it's about what you do with these players when they get to your campus. How much do you develop them? I mean, you know, here's a kid, Dalen Morris, that's played, you know, like I said, a handful of plays over the first three years, and yet he's still developed, and they have concentrated on his individual development as a player to where he can be a starter now in his senior year. And those things don't happen by accident. Uh, the type of success that BYU has had, you know, winning a national championship back in 1984, the Naval Academy going to 15 bowl games in 17 years after having a just a smattering of bowl games here and there over the last uh, 25 years before the triple option era started. It's all about player development. It's all about your coaching staff and what they do Monday through Friday uh, before we even get to Saturday, uh, or in this case, Monday night uh, for the games. So I think that's the, the, the beauty of, of you know why football programs are successful. That's why BYU's program has been so successful uh, over the course of a long time. You have people that know what they're doing Monday through Friday so that when su- Saturday comes around, you know, that's the easy part uh, for these players. I know it's going to be different this year, obviously, but what is a traditional game day experience for Navy like for the fans? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, there are huge tailgates out in the parking lot. Uh, the team gets off the bus right in front of a – uh, you know, a mock Blue Angel, which is uh, set up out in the, uh, you know, parking lot right next to where they get off the bus. They walk down the hill with, you know, bagpipes of blaring in front of them. And, uh, I mean, it's 35,000 people every Saturday, you know, you know, lifting these guys up. Our home record speaks for itself. Kenny talked about that this week. You know, we've been ridiculous at home, uh, especially – uh, you know, since that second year of the triple option when Paul Johnson took over, we've been pretty good in that building ever since. That's why it's going to be, you know, so weird uh, playing without our brigade and playing without uh, our loyal fans. Uh, and in this case, I mean, we would have had, a, I, I truly believe, uh, the opposite side right-hand corner uh, would have been filled because I do believe there would have been an, a huge uh, throng of BYU folks who would have, uh, made a huge effort to try and get to this game. And I think that's the one thing that this game gets robbed of, and that is an unbelievable atmosphere that would have accompanied this primetime broadcast. And, you know, as I said, I mean, I, I can't believe you know, the the BYU media base has been unbelievable. I've done so many of these interviews. I've done more interviews uh, the last two weeks about this game than maybe I did all of last season about all of our games. And, you know, when you have a fan base that has a passion like both of these teams do, you know, that, that's what this game gets robbed of. It gets robbed of being able to showcase just how valuable uh, that fan support is uh, in a primetime nationally televised matchup uh, like tonight. 
and you know, credit to Tom Holmo and Chet Gladchuk, our AD, who I just talked to uh, literally about 15 minutes ago this morning. And, you know, that's the one thing that this game, uh, you know, loses tonight is a tremendous atmosphere uh, that would have surrounded it. So <clears throat> we don't see, uh, you know, Navy playing the local teams out here very often, right? But we've seen a lot of Air Force playing the local teams out here. BYU and Utah for years in the Wacom Mountain West and still Utah State in the Mountain West. And I think when you talk about a quarterback at Air Force, you don't have to throw a lot. But if the Air Force has a quote-unquote throwing quarterback, if he is 8 of 13 for 150 yards, your team probably got beat. They probably gave up a couple of really big pass plays at critical times. Is that what you expect Navy's passing game to look like now? I don't think there's any question. I mean, uh, you look at our numbers last year. I mean, we were one of the best in the country, uh, you know, in passing efficiency. Uh, You know, we were seventh in the country in that category. People go, well, passing efficiency, how can you be so good? It's, well, it's when we throw the ball, how well we do it. I mean, we average like 22 yards. Uh, per completion, which was second in the country last year. So just like you're talking about, when there is a pass play, uh, it's usually a big play. Add to that, we've got inc- we've got great depth at wide receiver, maybe the best depth we've ever had at that position. And with Chance Warren now going to the slot back position, our running backs have made a number of huge plays on wheel routes and uh, routes down the hash mark uh, through the years that – you know, we've got multiple guys now in that category who are not just guys that can catch the ball, but are game-breaking type guys. Michael Cooper is as good a wide receiver as there is in our league at six foot five. Ryan Mitchell and Mark Walker are, are terrific receivers. And like I said, you put Warren with C.J. Williams, Miles Fells. These are guys that have already made big plays in this offense. And, you know, now Ivan Jasper – uh, one of the great offensive minds and quarterback coaches in this country has got an awful lot he can turn to on the menu. It's kind of like the Cheesecake Factory, man. You open that thing up, and now all of a sudden, you know, we got pages and pages of things that are available to him if he chooses uh, to use them uh, at this point. But, you know, like I said, he's a guy that's never, ever complicated this thing, and he's not going to complicate it for Dalen tonight. If we're running the ball, we're going to keep running the ball. But now you're right. If we – you know, we could go literally two for four for 75, 80 yards in the passing game and two touchdowns, and, and those are huge numbers for us because, as you mentioned, those two touchdowns on those two completions are likely to be uh, big plays in the course of a game. Even without the fans, is there a buzz towards this game, you think, in the community? I know there is amongst our fan base. I mean, I've I've been watching Twitter already this morning amongst some of our loyal folks, and they're like, man, the only only bad thing about an 8 o'clock game is we've got to wait all day for it. So, um, you know, I don't think there's any question the success of our program has made our football uh, fans – they were always loyal anyway, but now – they're loyal with expectations because our motto has consistently been expect to win. You know, we don't make any excuses when we don't win, we don't win. Um, but we expect to win every game uh, that we play. And that's one of the reasons why uh, our head coach uh, is one of the best in the game. Uh, he's a brilliant leader. And even with all of the disruption that this summer has, has had and uh, the lack of, 
uh, traditional spring football and really a traditional fall camp, I don't doubt for a minute our kids will be prepared and our fans are excited uh, to watch them get going here uh, in this 2020 season. We're joined by Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice for the Naval Academy. So BYU's invested a couple years in a quarterback, and now they're hoping Zach Wilson has a big year here. And so I think the question is, we've heard Navy's defense is good. Uh, number one, how good is the pass rush? Does Navy have to blitz to generate a pass rush? Or, or can, uh, you know, they got a couple of defensive ends who handle that. And then, how good is the secondary? Well, the secondary is maybe one of the best we've ever had. Uh, you look at the depth at both corners and uh, the safety positions as a unit. This this may be uh, the best unit overall we've had maybe since the 70s when George Welsh was coaching our team here at the academy. And we were putting up uh, crazy numbers defensively, nationally, uh, with guys like Chet Moeller on that defense and stuff like that, who's a college football Hall of Famer. So from that standpoint, the back, the back seven is pretty good. Uh, up front, no question, got a hole at nose guard. Mike Flowers has to uh, fill in for – Jackson Pittman, who's one of the best nose guards we've ever had here. That's clearly going to be uh, on paper a question mark for us. Uh, Jarius Warren is a young man at left end who was really, really playing some crazy good football at the end of last year. A dominant guy in the Army game and also uh, played well against Kansas State. You know, when you, there's, it's a big difference in terms of offensive linemen when you're playing the size of Army's offensive line and Kansas State's offensive line. But when you perform well against Kansas State's offensive line, you know the young man's got uh, terrific ability. Can't wait to see him now as a full season at that left end. Uh, I think he's going to be fantastic. No question. I mean, look, analytically last year was crazy for us. We were so good, uh, and Brian Newberry did a lot. Uh, and one of the, the main reasons why uh, is no longer here. Uh, Jacob Springer's now at Mississippi. Uh, so, uh, you know, We've got to replace his production, and that will be one of the challenges on that defense. He was terrific at getting to the quarterback, pursuing the quarterback, and uh, I think that's, that's clearly one of the challenges tonight because the thing about, you know, the, the thing about Wilson is he can keep plays alive, and it's not necessarily even having to run, uh, you know, for first downs. Laterally, you know, you go back and watch him and watch some of the tape from last year. He's good at laterally moving to keep plays alive, and we see a ton of big plays in the passing game when a quarterback is able to do that because everybody starts running up the field thinking the quarterback's going to run, and then all of a sudden he floats one uh, down the field. So I think what, you know, what BYU has you know, developed in Zach is exactly what everybody is hoping for in terms of a college quarterback now, a guy that can break your – uh, spirit by scrambling on third and nine for a first down, but also a guy that can scramble laterally to make big plays out of broken plays. And that's one of the big challenges, I think, for Navy's defense tonight is to keep BYU from making big plays out of broken plays when Wilson is able to uh, move around in that pocket and keep plays alive. How much discussion is going on in your area as far as the academy's playing, but somebody like Maryland isn't? You know, we have the same situation here. We have some conferences playing, but BYU conferences not playing, but BYU is sort of a funky situation. You know, it comes down to decisions made by leaders. Um, you know, people that are paid a lot of money made those decisions. Uh, school presidents don't give back any cash. Uh, you know, the, that, that direct deposit hits every week. They're not giving anything back. Uh, so they're paid to make big decisions. And some of them chose 
early in this process to make decisions, and that's why I think – I mean, look, I, I legitimately think the Big Ten gambled. They rolled the dice thinking, okay, we're going we're gonna to show that we're the leader here, and we're, we're going we're gonna to not play, and everybody else just kind of went, yeah, okay, that's good for you. Um, I don't think there was any chance that the SEC wasn't going to wait this out. Uh, you just look at the mindset around uh, this virus and what you know pictures you see from the uh, southeastern part of the United States. There was no chance the SEC was making an early decision. Uh, the ACC also, similar situation. They were not going to make an early decision. And look, the American Athletic Conference spread out in terms of its geography. Strong leader, though, in Mike Oresco. Uh, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason. When you have strong leadership in that commissioner area, and, and you know, and I think a lot of people have taken uh, unfair shots at Kevin Warren uh, as the, the commissioner of the Big Ten. I mean, guy's brand new on the job. He doesn't have the cachet of Greg Sankey and Mike Oresco and John Swafford. You know, the former commissioner there, Jim Delaney, was one of the uh, the greatest in our game. But, you know, he just doesn't have that cachet to walk into those school presidents in the Big Ten and, you know, kind of convince them that, hey, waiting is the right thing to do. So, you know, the presidents kind of jumped in there and said, hey, we're, we're not going to play. I think they thought the rest of college football would fall in line and the Big Ten would look like a big group of leaders, and that's kind of backfired on them. But it could also backfire on all of us that are playing if at some point a lot of kids or coaches get sick um, and, and something, unfortunately, uh, drastic happens. So it's a gamble, no question. But, you know, with the amount of testing that is seemingly going to be going on with the kids that are playing, you're going to know ahead of time whether somebody's got it uh, before they go into a game. And that's, that's basically how each week is going to uh, persevere this year in college football. You're going to play the testing game after each game, and you're going to hope that uh, a lot of your guys uh, don't come back positive. Those presidents aren't going to pay any kind of price, though, are they? They're not going to lose their jobs. I mean, it's a small percentage no. of what they do. And for us in sports talk radio, college football is a big, big deal. But I think a lot of them like, yeah, I made a decision. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. Shrug. Move on. See, I don't, I don't, but, but in this case, I don't think there is a right or wrong decision. If you choose not to play, you're erring on the side of safety and protecting the kids. And, and I don't think we can argue about that either. That's sound reasoning. Uh, to make that decision. But, you know, in this case, if you choose to play and nobody gets sick, you know, then you look like you, you took a gamble uh, and, and it paid off. So, I, I, again, those those people ascend to those positions uh, for many, many good reasons. But I also truly believe, and you all know this obviously now with BYU choosing to be an independent and not playing uh, in a league at this point, you're talking about, in some cases, with the SEC and, and the Power Five conferences, you're talking significant millions of dollars. The Big Ten distributed, I believe it was $46 million to its institutions last year from sports. So you can understand the financial hit that these schools are taking, and those presidents don't want to do that. And I do believe in some cases we have, a, we have some presidents who are very, I don't want to say disconnected, but – they're, you know, they only understand one thing. How much money are you generating us? Oh, okay, you can go do that. Um, and, then, and then there are some, like our former uh, superintendent of the Naval Academy, Ted Carter, is now the president at Nebraska. And obviously, Ted understands the, what the physical mission means 
from the Naval Academy. That's why Nebraska has been so vocal about, uh, you know, being disappointed in not playing right now. You can understand both sides, but, you know, again, I don't think any of those, I don't think any of those men or, or women in leadership uh, in those places will be uh, fired as a direct result of this. But it is a tremendous gamble when you're leaving a great amount of money on the table because Navy and BYU are huge benefactors now by being able to work out a Labor Day night primetime game uh, with ESPN. There will be a direct deposit to both of those institutions, uh, I know, from playing this game. Well, Pete, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the game tonight. Guys, terrific conversation. Appreciate it. Pete Medhurst, he's the play-by-play voice for the Naval Academy, and he joined us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your reaction? More on the Cougars and Navy. we got a lot of people weighing in as they get up on this Labor Day morning saying, uh, how big a deal is this game? For Cougar fans, the season opener, for Ute fans, for Aggie fans, uh, some comedy, some anger, some jealousy. We'll get to all of that coming up. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. We've seen comparisons of Dwayne Wade and others. Can Donovan Mitchell be the superstar that a team needs to take them to the finals and eventually lead them to a championship? I think he's a guy who's a true number one, but you're going to have to find a strong number two, and that may not be rude. Dwayne Wade won a title with Shaq in a very different NBA, and then he needed LeBron there to win the next couple. The hardest part of building a championship team is there are somewhere between 8 and 12 guys in the league you can say I can build a title team around that guy and Donovan Mitchell looks like he's going to be one of those guys Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Just head on Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice for the Naval Academy. PK, we have an actual game to talk about. How excited are you? I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to this. You know, the other games have been nice, but I didn't have much of an interest, to be honest. Maybe Memphis a little bit, but outside of that, not a whole lot, not big-name programs. Well, BYU is one of the teams we obsess over, right? We watch every single game, and it's here, and it looked like it was going to be taken away, and now it's not. It's here, Labor Day. As I said, that's the window for college football, and it's one of our teams. Yeah, I think under the circumstances – my excitement level is about as high as he can get. I'm thinking Tom Homo's excitement level had to be pretty happy when he when he got the okay. Whether whether he got the word from Navy first or ESPN, it's like yeah, Navy's going to go for this. Whatever it was, he had to be thinking all right, because that time slot, an opponent that's got a national rep, you know, nobody confuses them with the top of the Big Ten or the top of the SEC, but. We all watch so much college football and follow so much college football, and Navy's in that group. You know, especially especially lately. I mean, there was a time when they were terrible, but they've had a good 15, 20-year run here. Was it Pete Metter just told us 15 bowl games in 17 years and a couple of 11-win seasons in the last five. So put that in the uh, 6 o'clock uh, time slot on ESPN, and uh, this is the best program the Cougars get to play. Whether it's the best team remains to be seen, but a chance to get the season off with a bang here. If... They can go back and handle the option. 
There has never been a run-up to any BYU game more than this in BYU history. What? We having some transmission issues? Yes. <laughs> what game have they ever, to prep you for it, on one of their other networks, played entire games the day before? That would be never. Okay, you got me there. But the anticipation for some other games has been very high. The anticipation combined with the absence of football across the country, not just the Pac-10 and the Big 12, but the fact that the ACC and Big, or excuse me, not just the Pac-12 and the Big 10, but the fact the Big 12 and the ACC are a week away and the SEC's three weeks away. Yes, that gives it some extra juice. Well, the run-up, the advertising for it, the promotion. Anticipation is whatever you want it to be, but these are actual facts where they were promoting it the whole time, and they were talking about it on Saturday, and they played the game last last year, Tennessee. They played the 13-13 Iowa game. They showed the last uh, possession there at Nebraska a few years, I think it was, what, five years ago? Yeah, five years ago. all that stuff. So they've never done that. Because there has been other stuff that has gotten in the way. BYU football is a brand name, but obviously it's not the biggest brand name. And now I can argue that the t- to, to date, when this game is played, to date, it'll be the biggest brand name that has played football. And that is why these two teams are in the, uh, in the Monday night time slot. The best yeah. brand names playing this week. So when you look at it this way, this is the finest moment in the 10 years since BYU has gone independent. There's never been a better moment than this in terms of exposure. Which is why they did it in the first place. Even when they beat Nebraska five years ago, there was uh, or USC last year, there were other games on and the audience was divvied up. Everybody's off following team, their team, their conference. So not everybody was watching when the Hail Mary landed in Nebraska or when, you, when uh, USC got beat in overtime in Provo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the other conferences were playing. If they had been in a conference this year, they would not be playing. And here, this is their finest moment as an independent. The only team playing in the West because they're independent. They've been able to do it. So all this buildup, you wait and wait and wait for a payoff. They're getting it now. Now cash in. Look good. They've already cashed in. Oh, they go out and get smoked. They haven't cashed in, have they? The, the pub and the lead-in and all that stuff, it's already there. It won't be taken away. Yes, they've already cashed in in that way. Can you double your money with the win, though? No. I mean, then they lose in two weeks, just like last year. Could we double their money with a big win against SC? Not if you turn around and lose. Lose at USF, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, that was a great moment. We are the champions. Uh, it was played over the loudspeaker, and the field was rushed and all that. Well, okay. In the moment, it was great, but it really had no staying power. They finished 7-6. and six. By their own acknowledgement, last year was disappointing. So, 
you have to add them all up. So yeah, I don't think they can cash in. That one and zero is great. Two and zero is better, and three and zero, and so forth and so on. So you add them all up at the end of the season, and you add them up the last two seasons. There hadn't been enough. So they potentially can cash in, but I can't say that they can or will, or have if they win. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the lead-in. The lead-in, they've never had this much attention leading up to a game. Now win it. So there are a lot of weird things about this. One is all the attention because there's so few teams playing college football this weekend. And now they're the only team playing on Monday night. Uh, no fans. We've heard all kinds of uh, players and coaches uh, in other games. What do you expect to hear tonight? What do you mean here? Well, the microphone's picking up people. You know, without uh, you know, without I think thirty thirty five thousand be blaring. Uh, you know, drowning out everything. No matter what coaches were yelling. The sounds of the game? Is that what you're talking about? You can hear coaches and players yelling. You can hear uh, conversations. A BYU player dropped a big one. Well, I mean, they do that. I mean, that's that's only a surprise to the naive. It's not a surprise to folks inside the program, and that's just not at all. I mean, these are normal human beings. I, I don't put BYU on this big pedestal that it likes to put itself on. They're human beings. They make the same mistakes. And they have the same shortcomings. And so I don't have a big expectation in that way. So if they slip up, I don't say, wow, well, hell, you're a big hypocrite. No, you're just a human being who let the moment get you. So I, I'm going to hear the same things that I would always hear. Trash gonna, talk, trash talk, humor. Gosh, golly gee. I mean, is that what you're talking about? That That's a myth. That that doesn't exist. So I don't I don't have any expectations there. They're the same people as everybody else. They're no different. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I actually mean that in a positive way. We're all in the same boat. I mean, we keep trying to differentiate people and divide us. I'm getting a little bit tired of it. You know, how about we all work together to try to help everybody and you can succeed too. Here's the formula. Follow it. Just like I did. Just like I did, man. It's like I, exactly like I did. I followed this freaking formula, and here I am. Ta-da. Well, if, if you think that where I'm at is ta-da, then I guess it is. If for others it's just the logical conclusion to put your head down and, and paying for your own education and, and going to work and keeping a job, if that's ta-da, then it is. Others, it's just, well, that's what you're expected to do. And so that's going to be the result. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. BYU and Navy tonight. We got a lot of your uh, feedback, your expectations, how pumped up you are for this game, what is going on. Uh, Paul says, how fired up am I for this? Uh, the same as when BYU plays this annual schedule of 12 exhibition games. Ooh, that's a little bit of jealousy right there. Yeah. <laughs> Quinny Youth says, DJ, I, I don't feel anything. I'm numb. Now, there's some depth to that. I agree. <laughs> that's, a, that's a serious answer, minus rivalry, cheap shots, yeah. whatever. I'm numb. Yeah, because for me, 
you know, I kind of I have my feet in both categories. I have to follow it for work. So as long as it's played, there's something to follow. And I've got my own personal interests here of where my fandom is. And I don't have my fandom right now. But I still have this other stuff that I follow. And, I, and we have to follow this game and watch it and talk about it, which we'll do. So I'm way into that. But I don't have the fandom about that. Whereas Quinny Ute, I think that's what you said he was. Yep. Uh, he doesn't have the the work aspect. He has the fandom. I'm assuming it's a he. Has the fandom. And the fandom, as a Ute fan, obviously has been taken away. And so I get that feeling of numbness because he doesn't have the stuff that he's looked forward to. And, and Utah, these last couple years, particularly last season, man, expectations were never, ever higher. And for a good run of the season, they delivered them and met those expectations and ended on a sour note. But that was months of down the road. And so for week after week, even the SC loss just added intrigue. And that was right off the bat, right? They finished 0-1. I mean, they started 0-1, I should say. And uh, it was a bizarre way to a couple of top balls over the top. They got beat on by NFL receivers, and they fumbled uh, towards the end of the first half going in for a touchdown, which could have made a big difference. But they overcame that, you know. And then that win in Washington last year was so huge. And somebody, and I was up there covering it for us, and one of the staff members came up to me. I love being on the field. People who, they don't understand what you can get on the road, how much more coverage you can get because people see you and being there. And somebody came up to me and said, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one that we haven't ever gotten since we've been in the Pac-12, and now we got it, right? It was a big, big thing. So for you fans... Mostly last year, I know it ended on a downer, but there were such great times. And now you're going to have no times. I would feel numb, too. Well, not everyone is numb, although I certainly get that. We've got, uh, we've got a couple people tweeting at us. I'm excited for BYU. Jeff sends that in. Well, it's with an exclamation point. So there is some excitement to people who really love football. You know, if you're a casual fan, you can take it or leave it. And it's not a real weekend of college football. There's so many. I mean, all of the Power Fives sat this weekend out. You get a couple of them going next weekend. Uh, so to have a big-time game, if you really love college football, I get that you'd be excited for this. It's beyond the game, though. It's, it's, to me, the excitement, if I'm a Ute fan... The excitement isn't necessarily about the game. It's the fact that the game is being played. That's where the excitement is. Because if this doesn't work, there's no way you're getting back. And if we find, whether it's next week, next month, that things have to shut down, well, then your team, your conference, is not going to get out there. So it's not about the actual game and the tackles and the touchdowns and any of that stuff. It's more, for me as a Pac-12 fan, divorcing myself from my job for a second here, which is impossible to do, but as I try, it's about I wanted to succeed. Just like, you know, when they had that outbreak with the, with the Miami Marlins, right? Wasn't that in the first week when MLB yeah. got together? You're thinking, oh, my gosh, no. Now, all, and I think a lot of it was political because you can go on Twitter and look. All the folks who want to change in Washington, 
yeah, well, this is a mess. See, this won't work because they want as much bad news until November 3rd. And then that Wednesday, if they get their result, then they want as much positive news. That's the friggin' game of politics. And it works both ways. So I'm not particular picking on any party. It's just the way it is. And so you can go back, and I see a lot of it in the media. That, oh, no, you can't play. You can't play. You can't play. Well, once I see they can't play and they write and they talk about it, I'm thinking, well, that's because they want to change in Washington. And it's a political message. Well, if it works here, then that leads to you getting back. So when Miami had that outbreak, I'm thinking, oh, I hope they can overcome it. I hope they don't shut it down because I want sports. I don't really give a crap who's in the White House. Y'all can do whatever you want there. I want what I want, and I'm selfish about that, and that's sports played on every level. And I don't care who's a a 50-year guy who's been in Washington or some maverick who's going to tweet crazy things every day. It doesn't matter to me. I want sports being played at every level. That's what matters to me. So I want it to succeed. So I want BYU Navy. I want fill in the blank of ACC and SEC and Big 12. I want it to succeed because then that means Pac-12 Mountain West, conferences that we care about out here, Big Sky, they can get back that much sooner. It seems like from what we've seen with pro sports in the bubble, if you're testing and you know everybody who goes into the team meal, into the practice, into the game, doesn't have it, then you're finding good to go. I mean, isn't that the lesson of the bubble, whether it's yeah. basketball, yeah. hockey, or soccer? I mean, that that's actually a beautiful thing that, okay, so it's not just one sport, it's two sports, and now it's a third sport in two different cities in a different country because the first two were you know, down in Orlando, and now hockey's had two cities going up, or two bubbles going up in Canada. So it seems to me, and, and Navy's kind of, you know, they, they literally have a wall around campus, and they have armed guards, and, and they can order people to do things. It's not, as this Pete Menard said, it's not the traditional college experience, but they know their guys are negative, so it just doesn't seem like there's that much risk. In so, that situation, sure. Yeah. Right. So to but the we degree want to branch that you can, out beyond that. Right. But as you branch out beyond that, still if you can test people, you know, the day of the game and test people every day all week long, it seems like this stuff can go on. A okay. lot of stuff could go on. I mean, you know, just to take it to the levels that really impact us, because most of us don't play college football, we just watch it. But I mean, going into a restaurant, if you could test everybody who went into the restaurant at the start of the shift or when they arrived, I mean, plenty of us, you've sat outside at plenty of popular restaurants, and so and I at PK. And you're on vacation in Southern California, you got a half hour wait somewhere. So if it's 15 minutes and the test comes back and you're clean, and then you can go inside, it becomes a normal experience and everybody can kind of relax at that point. It's right, the not but, knowing about the asymptomatic people running around that's putting people on edge because if they don't have a health concern or they're not elderly, you know, they're interacting with somebody who does, you know, a parent, a grandparent, somebody who has diabetes, asthma, some kidney issue, whatever. If you know that going in, then you're good to go. I agree with all that, but I think in the college setting, it's impossible to have that because you're interacting with upwards of yeah, it, tens it, of thousands of, if, uh, of people. If you're, not, if you're not trying to follow the rules, and we just had, uh, Yach, what sport was it? We just had two more players in trouble for trying to sneak women into a room. And it oh. wasn't the Seahawks this time, but it was a similar story. Who was it? I don't even remember at this point. It's all a blur. Yeah. It's like, if you're, not, if you're trying to get around the rules, 
then you're open to exposing yourself. But if you're really playing by the rules, and I think this is, if you, if you boil down Harbaugh's message, and I get it's different at Michigan State than it is at Michigan, right? But at Michigan, it's like, the guys want to play so bad, they'll follow the rules. Don't, don't try any funny stuff. Don't try to, you know, hey, well, this doesn't matter this time. Yeah, everything matters. It all matters. But if you follow the rules, it's not, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I know. But when you're going to class and you're mixing with dozens if, and thousands if, of other folks, you don't know if they're following right, the rules. Right. But it's like you said, you're right. Absolutely. 100% about that. And I've always thought that the 100% open campus is a major challenge. But a lot right. of these campuses are 10 or 20% open with most stuff online. Some are completely closed. And to the level they can get football players to do all their stuff online, it comes down to who are you sharing an apartment with? That, that becomes the big question. Because a lot of athletes, well, I would be surprised in this era if, the, if every athlete didn't have at least one online class. But it's not a surprise all at all if you find out that football players have all their classes online. And I realize that depends on their major and their classes and the guy, but that's how it's been trending for a while now. We've talked about it multiple times. So it's your, your circle of friends and who's in the apartment. But again, if you're getting tested every time, every day when you walk into the football facility, because they're there for hours in a row, it seems oh, yeah, like yeah, this yeah. can get sorted out going forward. And, and I get that it couldn't be sorted out in June because the testing wasn't there and it wasn't, but it seems like that's where we're going. So they ought to be able to pull this game off. I don't expect any surprises between now and 6 o'clock. And I think it's going to bode well going forward. Not because of the politics, but because of common sense. If you think about how this works and everything we've learned over the last few months, if you really want something to happen, you know the price that has to be paid and the rules that have to be followed to get there. Okay. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU, Navy, the opener tonight. It's, you can tell people are getting up on a holiday morning because it was crickets at 7 o'clock this morning. But now approaching 9 o'clock, a lot of people are getting up, grabbing the phone, and hitting Twitter and giving us their feedback on the game. We will get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? Authentic is dragging in. Tis the law all out to get by him. Authentic and John Velasquez have the lead as they come down to the 16th ball. Tis the law still trying to get him. Authentic, tis the law. Here's the wire. Authentic has won the Kentucky Derby. Two minutes, .61 seconds was the final time for Authentic. Bob Baffert has done it for the sixth time. No Triple Crown winner this this year. There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Authentic wins the Kentucky Derby, the second leg of horse racing's Triple Crown. 2020 made the Kentucky Derby the second leg. Great. Oh, well, that doesn't sound right, but that is what it is. Tis the law. Afterward? Held off down the stretch. I saw some of afterwards. What part of afterwards? Well, man, he, he got a little jumpy there. 
and knocked Baffert down. Oh, I did not see that. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the winter circle, <laughs> he got spooked. And if a horse gets spooked. Look out. Yeah, and so he got spooked for whatever reason. And so there's like a, yeah, it's about a three-quarter circle around him. Mm-hmm. And the horse gets spooked and starts jumping around a little bit. And then, boom, it's like a couple of seconds of panic there. And Baffert actually literally got knocked to the ground. And, you know, you get over 60 and you fall, you start wondering, okay, what'd you break? <laughs> Can you be a little nervous there? And he did get knocked down. Um, and then, like the song says, he got knocked down, but he got up again. <laughs> and, nice. Uh, so so the, that was okay. That was your chumbo wumbo right there. And uh, so uh, Greg Hansen. Greg Hansen, we've had him on the uh, on the show. He's a columnist down there in Tucson. Yeah. And he had the... Uh, the Mount Rushmore of University of Arizona sports. I saw that, and he had Baffert on that because he did. He did. He's he's an Arizona guy, Southern Arizona, right at the Nogales. Yeah, which you can't get any more south southern. than that. When you're half an hour south of Tucson, <laughs> you're south. Yeah, yeah. I've been in Nogales, and there's a. It's like Wendover. There's a Wendover, Nevada, and a Wendover, uh, Utah. Same thing with Nogales because you know right right across the Nogales, Mexico, and Nogales, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm there. Uh, reading uh, Baffert's Wikipedia page, there's uh, sentences that you don't really see very often, PK. <laughs> what? Uh, <clears throat> he, uh, his father, so he, he grew up raising cattle and chickens in Nogales. When he was 10, his father purchased some quarter horses and he practiced racing them on a dirt track. In his teens, he worked for $100 a day. In informal quarter horse racetracks on the outskirts of Nogales, he moved from there to racing at legalized tracks. <laughs> Yuck. Yuck's like, ooh. Okay, then. <laughs> it sounds a little crazy. Legalized tracks. Might have been some gambling going on at some informal tracks, I think is what they're getting there, getting there at. But his, uh, I didn't know this. They have a University of Arizona racetrack industry program. Yes. And he got his Bachelor of Science degree in that. That's correct. Things you learn as you follow uh, different schools. I didn't know uh, the UNLV had a hotel management program. Well, now, now, now it's old sense. hat. But when the first time I saw, don't they have a school. gaming industry? They could. I don't know. I think yeah. UNLV is like one of the four. I just, I just remember when I first was reading UNLV media guides and see that guys were majoring in hotel management. I was like, what? I didn't know that Arizona had a racetrack industry program. Yeah, and ba- Baffert is probably the most famous one. He's Sick. been down. I've seen him down there for when I've been down covering U of A football games. He'll be there. Six Kentucky Derbies and seven Preaknesses and three Belmonts. Yeah, he's had a little bit of success. So he gets the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. All right, DJ and PK, more reaction pouring in. BYU and Navy, season opener tonight, 6 o'clock. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.